Welcome to Between the Lines, a podcast for middle schoolers all about books, from the newest releases to under-the-radar reads to the latest in YA news. Get it all here. I'm Jen Duell from Richmond Public Library. And I'm Barbara Haas from Richmond Public Schools. Each month, we'll be hosting a new middle school student as our guest host. This month's guest host is Gwen. Gwen, would you please introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Gwen and I go to the St. Michael's School. I've recently moved to Richmond from New York and um, I like to play ice hockey and I'm also a twin. That's so so exciting. I had no idea. And welcome to Richmond, Gwen. We hope that you have found it very hospitable so far. I have. Well, this is episode seven of Between the Lines, our podcast dedicated to books for middle schoolers. We are so excited to be talking to you about some awesome books we're currently reading, our favorite books featuring young activists, and some YA news. Episode seven, hard to believe. Very exciting. So I feel like let's just kick it off and discuss what we're currently reading. Does anybody want to go first? Well, I can go first. Okay, awesome. I am so excited about what I have been reading. I just finished Legendborn by Tracy Dion, and I loved it. I couldn't put it down and I can't stop thinking about this book. In many ways, it is your typical fantasy. An unsuspecting young girl discovers there's magic in the world and she may have powers. And in this case, the main character, Brie, is a young Black woman who has just lost her mother in an accident and is grieving. They had gotten into a fight right before she died, and the guilt of that is amplifying her grief. So Brie and her best friend, Alice, have just been accepted into University of North Carolina's early college program. And that's what the fight was about. Her mother didn't want her to apply or to go. And she did it without telling her mom. And then when she was accepted, her mom kind of flipped out. But after she dies, she thinks that going to this early college might be just the thing that she needs to help her move forward with her grief. Definitely like the reason that her mom didn't want her to go plays a huge part in the novel. And you kind of learn more about that as it goes through. So I would say even though Legendborn sounds like your typical fantasy, it is really different, has a different voice. So the characters are multiracial and they're also gender fluid and have LGBTQ plus characters, which I love. And I think I said this before, but I love it when the characters are so diverse, but that's not the crux of the story. It's just who the characters are. So it really normalizes. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but it really, you know, it's not the focus of these characters or who they are. It just happens to be just one thing about them. So I love that. And then the the magic in the story is so interesting to me. So they pull a lot from the legend of King Arthur and then also from the folklore and the stories from African culture as well. So Dion does a really great job of combining all these different facets of tradition and culture and folk tales and fairy tales from all over the world, all into one story. So I think that was my favorite part about the whole thing. But I will say I stayed up way too late reading 
which is kind of bad when you have to get up and go to work the next morning. But I saved the last hundred pages for when I knew I could read it all at one time because I just didn't want to have to quit. I wanted to be able to do it all in one sitting. I will also say the end surprised me. Sometimes you think you have it all figured out, but I will you know, be happy to admit that I didn't really see it coming. So I love this book and it's going to be a series. And I know Jen and I have talked before about how, you know, as librarians, we have to read so much and that we don't always have the time or find the time to read a complete series. But I am absolutely going to read every one of these books in this series. And I can't wait. Wow. That is quite a recommendation, Barbara. I loved it. And I, you know, I do love fantasy. So that's not a big surprise, but oftentimes I'm like, oh, you know, it follows the same kind of line, which I thoroughly enjoy, but I just thought this was so different and so clever. And the other thing I will say about it is the University of North Carolina is as much a character in the book as the people themselves, which I also enjoy in a book. And a lot of things that happen in the book or places that are mentioned in the book, I looked up in their actual places. So you can tell that Dion has a love for University of North Carolina, and she did get her undergrad and her master's there. But it you really get a sense of that place through her writing. Gwen, do you like fantasy? Yeah, I really like fantasy reads. Have you read Legendborn? Um, no, I haven't yet. Well, I would highly recommend it if you hadn't noticed. <laughs> it sounds like in addition to the fantasy, perhaps there's a little mystery too. Definitely. And it has to do with her mother's death. Yeah. That, that's what I picked up on that that might unravel throughout the whole book. So that you gives it a little, even more dimension, yeah. which is cool. Exactly. Yeah. I loved it. What are you reading right now, Gwen? I just recently finished this book, I think yesterday. I just finished reading Every Soul a Star by Wendy Mass. Basically, it's about three different kids who are brought together by a solar eclipse um, at a moonshadow campground. And um, I really like this story because it's about um, very different kids and it shows friendship that is stronger than our differences and it shows that we're more alike than we think. And so basically, the three kids, there's Jack who comes to the campground because of his failing grades and he ends up assisting his teacher because it was either this or summer school and then there's Bree who comes because her parents have become the new owners and she's a city girl she grew up in the city so she has a lot of friends there so she was very devastated moving to a campground in the middle of nowhere and then there's Allie who her family actually owns the campground and she's also very sad because she loves to be in nature and stargaze while Jack is actually bonding with a frequent Moonshadow guest Ryan, an unlikely friendship is formed when Allie is tasked with showing Brie around the campgrounds and showing her the chores and what she's gonna end up having to do once they take ownership. Although um, Brie and Allie, because they both want to basically swap places, Brie just wants to go back to her best friend and her designer clothes, while Allie just wants to stay at the um, Moonshadow campgrounds, they come up with a plan so they can basically swap places and convince their parents. So Allie can stay at the campground so Brie can move back to the city. But they end up, all three of them end up becoming um, close friends and they discover things about each other that they never even expected. Wow, that sounds so good. And I've never heard of this book. I actually came across this book by my school teacher. I saw it in her library, but it's actually a really good book. 
I'm curious, is it a newer book or has it been out for a while? I'm pretty sure it has been out for a while. I actually never heard about it before. I didn't do anything. Um, I just, I read the back and I just saw it. It sounds like it had a really good plot and had very interesting characters. I agree. I am very interested in that relationship between Allie and Bree. I can't imagine what Allie feels like, you know, knowing that she's going to lose what's very important to her and then having to show the new girl around and making her feel welcome. I love that dynamic. Her parents, when Bree came, they came early. So Allie's parents didn't even tell her that they were moving yet. So then they just showed up. And then she had to greet them in and she just had no clue who they were. Wow. Yeah. Bad parenting move. (laughs) It sounds like a little bit of a band of misfits story, you know, kind of these kids from different backgrounds with different interests, kind of all in like a funky place in their life or going through something all kind of come together in one place and discover a friendship and help support each other through a hard time. And those are some of my favorite stories because I just feel like they're so heartwarming. And especially right now, I just really love heartwarming stories. I totally agree with you. We can all use a few more of those. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm adding that to my TBR for sure. Thank you for sharing it, Gwen. Yeah. So right now I'm actually reading a fantasy book as well. It's called Fable and it's by Adrian Young. And it I'm listening to it. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I like to listen to a lot of audio books. And I have to say the first time I saw the cover of this book, I, it completely caught my attention. The cover is gorgeous. And then it kept coming up like on social media and, you know, certain blogs that I read, people were just loving it. So I said, all right, I got to check this out. When you hear it enough times, you got to check it out. So this book is about 17 year old Fable, and she's the daughter of the most powerful trader in this area of the world called the Narrows. And it's sort of like a piratey sea life story in a world unlike our own. So four years ago, she watched her mother drown in sort of this terrible storm. And the next day, her father abandons her on a legendary island that's filled with thieves, where she kind of has to fight for survival. And the only thing he leaves her with are a set of rules that she's supposed to follow in life. So mind you, she's 14 years old at this time. And these are the rules. Keep your knife where you can reach it. Never, ever owe anyone anything. Nothing is free. Always construct a lie from a truth. And never, under any circumstances, reveal what or who matters to you. So you kind of get a feel for how kind of cutthroat this world is. Fast forward to four years to the present, she has survived on her own. And now her only goal is to get off of this island and find her father and demand her rightful place beside him and his crew. So she is determined. She enlists the help of this young man named West, who is the captain of a ship called the Marigold and decides to set off and find her father. So this is kind of where I am in the story. She's just boarded the ship. There's something funky going on with the crew. There's some kind of secret going on because they're all a very young crew that sort of new to trading and being on these ships. And, you know, there just seems to be secrets all about. 
couple that with sort of the physical dangers of the sea. And I I feel like this is just going to be such an adventure story. I haven't read a lot of books like set at sea or set in a world where boats or ships and essentially pirates are a part of it. So it excites me because I feel like this is going to be a new story from my typical read. And so I'm totally sucked in right now. Has anybody read this one? I haven't read it. I haven't read it either, but I love the premise. Yeah, it sounds like a really good book. I think so too. And like I said, I wish I could tell you more of what's going on, but I'm sort of only read about a third of the way into it. But so far, it it really has kind of pulled me in and engaged me. And, and it's just different from anything I've read before. And it's part of a duology. And the second book is out. The second one's called Namesake. So of course, I'll probably have to move on to that one. I like duologies because they're series, but they're not too long. You can, you know, you get, read two books and you're done. So that's kind of nice too, but I'm looking forward to kind of working my way through it. Well, I predict that her father put her on that island to protect her and gave her those set of rules, hoping that that would save her from whatever he's hiding her from. Ooh. So I am looking forward to picking that up myself. That's a cool prediction. I have to say that did not cross my mind. I'm just like, gosh, her father, what a bad guy. Like she's going to go and avenge, you know, him abandoning her. So I don't know. We'll see. All right. Perhaps we should move on to our next segment. Yes, definitely. I love, Gwen, that you picked this for our topic. And I will say that I had a hard time choosing which book to talk about because there are so many good books out there about young activists. I mean, just sitting down and thinking about all the books, like creating a list of books that I've read that have young activists was really a good experience and exercise for me. So thank you, Gwen. You're welcome. Gwen, I feel like since you picked the topic, maybe you should start us off. Okay, so for the young activist theme, um, I've chosen to talk about The Prettiest by Bridget Young. The Prettiest is about a list of the prettiest girls in the eighth grade created by an anonymous person. When the list is released, the school is in a total uproar. The school is totally going crazy. A bunch of girls are in the bathroom stalls crying over the list. All the boys are just laughing about it. And to the person who wrote it, why do they get to decide the criteria for being pretty? After the list comes out, Eve Hoffman, who used to be completely invisible and no one noticed her, no one even thought about her, is now transformed into the girl everyone is talking about and the girl everyone wants to be just because of a list. She's the number one prettiest girl in the school. Second on the list is Sophie Kane. She went for being the most popular girl in the eighth grade and now for it a second place. Lastly, the girl who didn't even make the list at all, Nessa Flores Brady, who was and still is invisible, who is Eve Hoffman's best friend since first grade. And then after the list comes out, the three girls unite to conspire who made the list. And um, they try to show all the girls that were hurt by the list, whether they were on it or not that everyone is equal and that everyone is beautiful. And then um, I like this book because it shows that everyone is in fact equal and it tells a fun story about three girls at the same school but having totally different social statuses all sharing one thing in common and they all end up becoming really close friends. That appeals to me so much. I have a question Gwen. Who developed the list? Who came up with it? Oh, the list, it was made by an an anonymous person. So one day they just walked into class and there was a list like everywhere, all in the school. 
And then like throughout the story, the girls, they like have an idea who wrote the list. But then at the very end, they discover that who wrote the list was not what they were expecting at all. Yeah, it's a very good story. And it's kind of like a mystery because the girls are trying to figure out who wrote it. So then they end up coming with all these plans against the person who wrote it, but it ends up not even being them. So it's a really good book. So I can relate to this book a little bit. When I was in middle school, there was a popular guy and he came up with a list of his quote unquote girlfriends and there was his number one who he'd go with and so on. And it was, it shouldn't be in hindsight as an adult looking back, I shouldn't have cared where I was on that list or what he thought. But at that time, it was so impactful and not in a good way for me. Looking back at it, it's like, who gives someone the power to rank people on anything? We shouldn't give people that power to do that. You know, we are all important and valuable and pretty and smart and worthy in different ways. So when we kind of give credence to that list or anybody that thinks they can do that sort of thing, you know, I I just, I hope that we learn that we shouldn't do that. And I hope that in that book, they learn that that list means nothing, but I can certainly relate to it. And, you know, I think that especially, at least from my experiences in middle school, you're just trying to figure out where your place is. You're trying to figure out who your friends are sometimes and, you know, who is important in your life and who you are. And so those kinds of things are, they happen, but they're terrible. And that makes me really sad, but hopefully, you know, those, it sounds like from what you're saying, Gwen, that the girls in the story overcome that, find friendship through it and become stronger because of it. Yeah. That's great. Well said. And, you know, as a middle school librarian, you know, I do see that all the time and it's heartbreaking because as an adult, I can look back and I I totally understand how impactful and hurtful that can be what people say. But, you know, as a grown up, I know that it doesn't matter and it's not true. And, and I think you, we strive through words, through stories to teach these lessons. So I think prettiest would be a really good way to help, you know, middle school, especially girls, but guys too, that that kind of thing, it just doesn't matter. And I do love that something like this brought them together and they realized that they had the power and they changed the narrative. And I love that. Yeah, I think that young adult books are doing a better job of addressing these things now. I don't feel like I had things like this to read when I was in middle school that may or may not have helped me through it. So I'm glad about that. I also feel like you guys now, middle schoolers and young adults in this day and age, are just a whole lot more in tune and aware of sort of some of the, what I would call an injustice in the world. And we are seeing so many young activists speaking up and addressing these things and saying they're not okay, way more than when I was that age. And I'm always super impressed by that. Good job. Yay. Well, I want to talk about a book called Three Keys by Kelly Yang. And this is actually a follow-up to the book Front Desk. Front Desk is easily one of my favorite books of all time. Um, Me too, me too, me too. Yay! (laughs) 
And I love Kelly Yang. So you might be wondering why I chose the second book, Three Keys, instead of the first book. Really, both of them have the main character, Mia, as an activist. But I think in the second book, she really comes into her own as far as realizing her power as a young activist. She kind of ups her game, I guess you could say. Mia and her family immigrated to the United States several years ago, and they are the proud owners of the Cali Vista Motel, which in the first book you learn about how they become the owners of this hotel, and Mia plays a big role in that. So definitely don't skip out on the first book. But in the second book, Three Keys, Mia's just started middle school with her best friends, Lupe and Jason. And they're really excited They think it's going to be an awesome year. But then this controversial ballot initiative drops in California where they live. And it's known as Proposition 187. And this proposition targets uh, undocumented immigrants. And if it's passed, it would deny them education, healthcare, and other important services. So what Mia doesn't know initially, but what she learns is that uh, Lupe and her family are actually undocumented immigrants. They crossed the border from Mexico to the United States and have basically lived in fear of deportation ever since. So this proposition, if it comes into effect, would affect them. And what makes matters worse is that Lupe's father is arrested trying to, there's sort of a secondary story about mom going back to Mexico to help a sick family family member. And then she kind of goes missing and dad's trying to find her. And in that process, he gets arrested and they find out that he is undocumented. And so he's awaiting his fate in immigration court. This of course is very traumatic to both girls, especially Lupe, but Mia has a plan. We find out in the first book that Mia has sort of a talent for marketing and writing. So in the second book, she puts this, these sort of enhanced communication skills that she has into effect to try to help Lupe and her family. And she contacts lawyers and journalists and politicians, and she tries to get their uh, support, not only to help Lupe's dad, but also to shoot down Proposition 187. She also convinces her family to broadcast sort of on their sign outside the motel, a message. And it's a simple message. And it just says immigrants welcome. But what Mia knows and what her family knows and what a lot of people in the community know is that message. It says so much in two little words. So what I love about this book is that Mia is so strong and so fearless in the face of these really tough adult situations. She never gives up hope. She never says, I'm young, I can't do anything. She takes matters into her own hands to help her friend and just immigrants as a whole. Although this book, to me, which seems crazy, is considered historical fiction because it takes place in the 90s and Proposition 187 was a real thing back then. It's also incredibly timely right now because we all know that undocumented immigrants in the United States do still live in fear of being deported, being discovered and deported. So a lot of what you're going to read in this story applies to today and to a lot of people in our communities. So the author, Yang, is awesome. And you You mentioned this earlier, Barbara, with putting these themes in the book, but not making them too heavy or, you know, not making it issue heavy, I call it. Um, So you don't feel like you're sort of being dragged down by all these things. The story is woven in so powerfully. And Mia is such a spunky character that you just follow along with her and you just cheer for her and Lupe the whole time. So it's really enjoyable too, even though it's a really heavy, tough 
topic. These two books are easily some of my favorite books of all time, and I highly recommend them. Not only if you're a young activist looking to read about young activists, but just in general, they're awesome books. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think Kelly Yang is one of my superheroes. She wears a cape, definitely. And if you're interested, anybody listening, she has some great YouTube videos out there. And I would highly recommend, like it just adds another dimension to her work. I think when you hear her speak, she's so passionate about this work. And, um, you know, on a personal level, just yesterday, I was at the DMV helping a family get ID cards for their kids, not because they're undocumented, but because they're afraid of not having an ID card that proves that they're, that they belong here. So I can absolutely relate to this and agree with you, Jen. This is a very timely issue. And I think for a lot of people who might not have experience with families who are constantly living in fear, it puts a humanity on it, right? Like this is not just something out there that we hear on the news. These are real people who live in fear, even if they are American citizens. So thank you for sharing that. Have you read anything by Kelly Yang, Gwen? Last week at the um, Richmond Public Library, I actually checked out Front Desk. (laughs) Yay, on both accounts. Thank you for going to the Richmond Public Library and checking out a book. And I think you will love Front Desk. It is so adorable. Yeah, I actually already read it. Oh, okay. Last week, although it is such a great story, although I, I didn't realize that there is a sequel to it. So I will probably be um, checking that out soon. Yay, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I love when people have read books that I love. Did you enjoy it, Gwen, when you read Front desk the first time yeah it was it had a really great story yeah and what's cool is uh Mia grows up you know obviously it happens a little bit the second book happens a little later and you can kind of see she's grown up a little bit and matured and and that's why I said I chose the second book for this theme because I think she just really finds her voice as an activist I really like front desk also just because like you can kind of see her learning throughout the story you can kind of see her like character evolving and then you can also see like friend trips with Jason because like at first they hate you each other and they um and like their parents hated each other but then you can kind of see both of their characters evolve I think that's really interesting Gwen because I noticed that you in the other book that you talked about also you know one of the things you liked about it was the evolving friendships and the friendship stories so I agree I do love a good friendship story and you know it's reminding me too we had um we celebrated the Richmond Public Library's Yava Awards yesterday And one of the things we talked about in that were friendship stories and how friendships are just as important as romantic relationships. And I think these stories that you've picked, Gwen, totally speak to that and how important friendships are in our lives. And especially now during a pandemic, when it's so hard to maintain relationships of any kind, when you can't see each other, I think these stories also very timely. All right. So I guess that leaves me to talk about my activism story. And I'm going to talk about Just Like That by Gary D. Schmidt. And I will say that like Kelly Yang, I adore Gary D. Schmidt. This book takes place, it starts in the summer of 1968. And Meryl Lee Kowalski has just lost her best friend, Hauling Hood Hood. 
which one of the things I love about Gary D. Schmidt is his character names. And to say that she's having a hard time is an understatement. She and Holling did everything together. So her parents decide that they're going to send her to boarding school because she just can't face starting the eighth grade without Holling. So she arrives at St. Aline's Preparatory Academy for Girls. And she's mad at the world and she suffers what she, from what she calls the blank, which is when she starts thinking about the loss of hauling and the Vietnam War. She becomes overwhelmed and she calls what she's experiencing, she calls it the blank. So she comes into this school kind of grieving and mad and disappointed that, you know, her parents have dropped her off at this place, but her parents feel like this is the right place for her. And so because she's not a difficult child, she kind of goes along with it. And the theme at St. Aline's is finding what you're accomplished in. So as she starts this new school, she has to discover and she kind of struggles with what she's accomplished in. And it becomes very clear that it's not sports. <laughs> and she constantly has this question on her mind in her classes. And as she forms these new relationships and without giving too much away, I will say that what she becomes accomplished in is finding her voice and recognizing that just because something's always been done a certain way doesn't make it right. And when she sees something that's not right, she's going to stand up for it. As usual with anything written by Gary D. Schmidt, it is heartwarming and his character development is so spot on that I really, I finished one of his books feeling like his characters are, are my friends too. Like I know these people and I've grown up with them and I've known them all my life. It, it is just the most heartwarming, sweet, beautiful story of a young girl standing up for what's right. And I hope everybody will go out and read this book. So is it giving it away what she needs to use her voice for? Yeah, because it's part of the development and the involvement of the book. It's multifaceted too. So there are different characters that intertwine together. So yes, I'm not going to say any more than, than that. <laughs> so I guess you haven't read it, Jen. I haven't. No, I actually, I'm just looking at Goodreads right now. And because the way that you talk about this author, Gary D. Schmidt, just makes me like want to read something by him, anything by him, because he sounds lovely because I haven't read anything by him. Surprisingly, <sighs> I know. Have you read anything by him, Gwen? No, I haven't. So this is my Barbara Haas's theory on authors and their books is the first book that you read by an author you love is always your favorite. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but the first book of his that I read is okay for now. And so far it might be my favorite book of all time. I don't know. Like, especially like young adult. I just love that book. He has this way of telling a story. It like goes straight to your heart. Like there's no through your brain. Through, like, it just goes straight for the heart. And you love these characters as if they were your own. You want to take them all home and feed them dinner. Like it's just, he, he's beautiful. Wow. I feel like that's the point where you just drop the mic. Mic drop right there. That's it. <laughs> Please go to your public library or your independent bookstore and pick up anything by Gary D. Schmidt.
Will do. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to our last segment of the podcast, which is where I share with you some YA news. And ironically, we've talked a lot of, about friendships and how important friendships are, and 100% they are. But if you like romance too, you may or may not have read To All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Han or watched a series of the same name. If you have and liked it, there may be a spinoff in the works. So far, this is in the early stages. It's still untitled, but they are developing a half-hour romantic comedy series project that would follow Kitty, who is the youngest of the Covey sisters, in To All the Boys I've Loved Before. So this follows Kitty in her quest to find true love. Kitty in that series was played by Anna Cathcart, uh, so she will again be playing her role as Kitty Song Covey. And Jenny Han, the author, will be a creator and a writer and executive producer of this potential series as well, which would come out on Netflix. So keep your eye out for that. If you love Jenny Han, if you love To All the Boys I've Loved Before, or if you just love a good romance. I do love a good romance. I'm not going to lie. So I will look forward to that. I've actually watched all three of the movies. So far, I haven't read the books, but I've watched all the movies, so I'm very excited for that. Yes. Did you like Kitty as the character? Yeah, she was probably probably my favorite character in it. Awesome. So this will be a fun spinoff if they're able to make that happen. Fingers crossed. This was a great episode today. I've had a lot of fun talking about all these different things, and I hope our audience has too. And I want to thank everyone for joining us for this month's episode of Between the Lines. And thank you, Gwen, for serving as our guest co-host this month. Yes, Gwen. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here. Tune in next month for all new books and YA news. And be sure to follow us on Spotify so you'll be alerted when new episodes go live. And if you're interested in being a teen guest host like me, please reach out to Jen or Barbara. Their contact info is in the show notes. Until next time. Happy reading.